with the Telly Award-winning podcast, coming to you live from the Long Beach Comic Con. I am Rylan Grant, screenwriter, Ringo Award-winning creator of fine comics like Everett, Bandrax, Suicide Jockeys, and now Fa Shang Origins, the other voice in the dark, the man sitting to my right is... David Abalone, this is the only social situation in which I am the quiet one. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and, and I'm a writer. If you missed any episodes, uh, any of our previous conversations, episodes featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Smith, Roddy Barnes, and many, many more, our entire catalog, I can't speak today, can be celebrated via YouTube, uh, iTunes, I'm going to skip one for good reason, and other purveyors of worthwhile ear crack. So double on back and check it all out. Uh, great show for you today, live at the Long Beach Comic Con. Uh, Avalone, why don't you set it up for us? So we have with us today a few guests. Stephen Prince, tell the kids at home a little bit about yourself. Oh yeah! <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve Prince, the creator and writer of Monster Matador, a post-apocalyptic kaiju throwdown about a matador who fights monsters to make a better world for his daughter. And uh, kickstarted it four times. We have a new Kickstarter launching on September 19th for a collection. Kelly Sumalana. I don't have like a cool voice. So, <laughs> you have a um, great voice. I'm Kelly Sumulano. I'm the writer of Hex 11 and a co-owner of the independent publishing comic label Hex Comics. We have kickstarted two volume trades and we're getting ready to do a third one that is for an omnibus. Nice. Which is super exciting. It's a good word. Anytime you get to use that word, I know, it's, right? uh, it's wonderful. It's very exciting. So, how, how many, super stoked to How many pages is your omnibus? 5,000. That is not 100. I don't know the exact page count. <laughs> and Charlie Stickney, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, hi, I'm Charlie Stickney. Uh, I'm the writer and co creator of White Ash, the game, uh, writer of The Adept. Uh, and, and a couple other things that I have kickstarted. Uh, at this point, I've done about 12 kickstarters and raised somewhere between three and four hundred thousand dollars on the platform. Nice. Yeah, and before we get rocking and rolling here, um, I always say at the beginning of these things, oh, we'll try to leave some time for questions, uh, but then we get to talking and the entire hour has evaporated. Um, so uh, <laughs> I'm not going to promise that now. What I will say is that uh, directly after the panel, we will wait right out there. And if you have any uh, Kickstarter questions, uh, general comic-related questions, we'll be available. Uh, uh, Mr. Avalone and Mr. Stickney uh, have tables downstairs. I know uh, Steve Prince will be doing a signing downstairs somewhere, so you'll be able to find us. So, uh, um, yeah, I'll leave you with that. And Evelyn, uh, why don't you uh, power through? Well, one of the questions we wanted to ask, or we wanted to ask the audience, anyone looking to kickstart a comic? Okay, we have one. Um, two, okay, because we thought that might be of interest. So the, the, the question that comes up a lot is, why did you choose it? Why did you go this route? And uh, Stephen, why don't we start with you? Um, I've, I've always been kind of an independent comic guy. Um, and uh, when I launched Monster Matador, I had been writing and drawing it myself. And um, I rebooted it to relaunch it with a new artist. Um, and who, who could draw, someone who could Who draw. can actually draw, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of important. But I mean, when I, I, I had been looking for, uh, looking to bring it to a publisher, and, uh, but it was right around the pandemic. 
Um, so I, I wanted to at least kickstart the first issue, but then it, it just sort of, you know, I, you know, something happened for the next couple of years where no one went outside. And uh, but I love Kickstarter; it's been great. So that that's kind of like where how I came into it. So. And Kelly C. Um, it's kind of an interesting story why we chose to kickstart. Uh, my team and I were an all-female team, and when we had set out to make our book, we decided we wanted to do it entirely independently because we didn't want anybody um, editorializing our story for the male gaze in any way. Uh, so we knew going into it that we were going to be needing to crowdfund at a certain point because we couldn't continue to pay out of pocket for printing costs. And our editor and producer has, you all know Lindley, um, she's got she's got high standards for the way that the book looks. So in order for us to do that, we knew when it came time to publish the trade, which is of course all of our first six volumes bound into one, we were gonna need to crowdfund for that to cover the costs. And um, the first Kickstarter we did was unsuccessful and we retooled and put up a new one a week later and that one was successful. So we were able to bring um, our first volume trade to the, to the what was the What was the raise on the unsuccessful one and what was the raise on the successful one? So for the first one we were going to do, um, we were going to try to fund two volumes at once. So we were going to try to fund the printing of our first one which was ready to go and then we were going to also try to raise money for the second one which was not at all ready to go. Those issues weren't even in production yet. Um, so it was a newbie mistake, um, and we had rate, we had set it at I think um, I don't know thirty thousand or something for that first one, and we ended up raising seventeen. Um, so when we retooled for the following uh, launch, we set it at seventeen, and we made that money immediately back plus more. So we learned our lesson, we applied it to the next campaign, and, and the second one was successful. And what was the total raise on the second one? Uh, 20,000 and change. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. And Charlie, how about you? Well, I, I, I think it's always important that when anyone gets into comics, they understand the economics of it mm -hmm. and the lack thereof. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking to do a series that's more than, say, four issues, if you're trying to do an ongoing series, and, mm -hmm. and, and first of all, like that is a big... It's a big swing if you're a first-time creator. You know, it, usually people always suggest go, go limited, do like a mini-series, um, don't shoot for the moon. I am an idiot, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the 60-issue series, um, and uh, I'm going to have these spin-offs, and I'm going to create this universe. Um, and, and then I started looking at the economics of the direct market and saw how quickly the attrition is on issues from one to two is usually cut down like 50%, and you go to a site like Comicron, and I started, you know, I, I did a really in-depth, deep dive of what the numbers were, and I said, you know what, even if I went to say Image, and my book was doing fairly well, how many books of Image past six or seven issues from creators you've never heard before are still profitable? And by that, I mean the creators getting any money back when they put their issues to the direct market. And you know, it was like one. Like one creator a month or every couple of months would be able to be able to pass like six issues. And like, so this is not a sustainable model. Um, and so then my options were, do I find a publisher that's gonna front load the money and take all the rights? Um, who's gonna bet on a longer series? Who's gonna let me do the thing I wanna do? Because that's probably not gonna happen. So I said, 
if I want to do something that of, of this scope that I'm attempting to do, or really in general, if I want to do a series where I'd like to actually make money, um, Kickstarter is probably the first place I want to go, just as a test to see what kind of funds I can get. And um, so, so I launched the first issue of White Ash, which led to the second issue and the third. Eventually there's a trade where we're now about 230 pages into that series. Uh, I have a spin-off series that has about another 100 pages going on it. And so like the world is, everything is going according to the plan I really shouldn't have had. Um, but Kickstarter has enabled me to build a, a very large and, and thriving fan base and finance everything. So I'm actually financing everything, making money off the series, and have the freedom to do what I want. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Charlie raises a great point, which is if you have any interest at all in doing this professionally, independently, whatever, uh, learn what the numbers are. I think the average person does not know how small the comic book market is in this country. The best-selling comics in the present day, Batman, Star Wars, Spider-Man, you're talking about 100,000 copies. If that was the opening weekend of your blockbuster movie, you would, your company would go out of business by Monday. Like it's a, it's a very, 100,000 people is a very small market. For an independent comic that's not Batman or Superman or Spider-Man, you're literally talking about a giant success is 30,000 copies. 30, that's like the smallest screen in the multiplex in the smallest multiplex in the smallest town in the country. Yeah, and, 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 a, and a, you know, a smaller publisher, like a, a big success for them might be five to 7,000 copies yeah. of something like that. Of yeah, issue one. number one. Yeah. Yes, yeah. for first issue. Yeah. So I'm just, like I once, uh, Elvira, Mistress to the Dark number one was Dynamite's top selling comic the year it came out. I think we might have cracked 30,000 issues. And we were—that was a top selling. That was that was a huge success. They were thrilled out of their minds that we sold 30,000 comics. Now the a whole other conversation is how desperately we need to increase this market. Outside of the continental United States, comic books are a big deal. Everybody reads them. Adults read them. They have all sorts of topics. If you told someone in France that comic books were about superheroes, they would stare at you like you were a crazy person. And the same thing is true in Japan, in Italy, in Spain, all over the world. But here, we have this crazy idea that comic books are for children, they're about superheroes. Um, so all that said, a large reason that a lot of us do the Kickstarter route is that in order to make a fair amount of money, a good living, and have a budget that's acceptable for a comic book, if you have 500 people invest in your comic on Kickstarter, you've done phenomenally well. Uh, I did a Kickstarter with Kevin Eastman, which is cheating. I had, the, I had the creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on my team, which is like raising money for your science fiction movie with George Lucas. It is easier. We had about 1,200, but 1,200 people paid into our Kickstarter and we made about $106,000 on the first one. The budget we had for the comics was roughly 80 grand. And that was paying people good rates for four 22, 24-page comic books that were printed as a trade. So that was my, my first take with it was we created this project and we looked at the deals. You know, the big deal people talk about is the image deal. Well, image doesn't pay you anything. You have to come to image with a completed comic book. 
This is great if you have saved an, an artist's life uh, and they owe you months of their time. If they don't, you have to draw it yourself or you have to pay them. Uh, you have to pay their rent for four months for 80 pages. Um, so it's, it's something to really think about and it's a tool that didn't exist 10, 15 years yeah. ago, and now it exists, and that's why this boom in independent comics is really coming from it. I mean, to, to, to hit this right on the head, the, the bar is so much lower in terms of the economics when you crowdfund. Um, uh, if, I, if, 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 you, if you take your book and, it, and, and SourcePoint Press, it's a good mid-tier publisher, decides to publish it, and they take it out, and let's say you sell 7,000 copies and they're happy about it, and then they send you a check for $3,000, <laughs> you know? And, and that book may have cost you $5,000 to produce, right? Um, but you can take that book, and you can go to Kickstarter, and, um, you know, 300 backers can back it, and, um, you know, then Kickstarter sends you a check for 15 grand, you know? Let's say, let's say it catches fire and you get 500. Maybe, maybe that 15 grand turns into 20 or 25 or 30. Um, uh, the economics are very different. You know, you can, it is very hard to make money putting comic books in comic shops, uh, particularly right now with how much there is out there. Um, but it's doable on Kickstarter. And, 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 and the model, as Charlie was starting to outline, is reversed. Uh, in a comic shop, there is attrition. You sell, if you sell 5,000 copies of issue one, you're gonna sell 2,500 copies of issue two, and you're gonna sell 1,200 copies of issue three until you know, it, it's, it is not economically viable for anyone to work on this book, put it out, or anything. Um, Kickstarter ends up being a slow build. Uh, um, you, your, your, uh, your first campaign um, will do one thing, and if it was a good book, and it was a well-designed campaign, and you delivered it on time, and the word of mouth is good, you may see double uh, uh, the backers next time. You may see, you know, a 25% increase is pretty common. Um, it builds slowly but surely over time. Uh, Charlie, you've done, what, five or six for White Ash, right? And, and, and how did that build in terms of your backers? So my first campaign had 312 backers. Uh, my most recent campaign, which is for a White Ash spinoff, had 1,762 backers. Um, so, yeah, so... so we say that number again? 1,762. So, yeah, and, and, and what I what I don't want to do is we're starting to sort of paint this uh, you know this this binary system, but it's not like that. Um, it used to be that if you kickstarted, then the comic publishers weren't going to touch you. You, you, had, you had to pick one or the other, right? And that's a difficult decision. Oh well, I would like to be in a comic shop. Uh, I would like to be eligible for awards. I would like all of these things. Um, that stigma is no longer there. That's not how it works anymore. You have smart uh, publishers like Scout Comics. Uh, they're using Kickstarter as a proving ground. Uh, uh, they took a long, Charlie actually got hired on at Scout Comics, became the co-publisher of Scout Comics because he had this, this crowdfunding expertise. Um, uh, smart people realize that, oh, if this book is doing pretty damn well on Kickstarter, it's probably gonna do pretty damn well in a, a comic shop also. Um, so you can take your comic book, you can kickstart it, you can make a good chunk of change, at least make your budget back uh, to where you're, you're, you're not out of pocket anymore, maybe put a little bit more in your pocket, and then you can go to a company like Scout, you can go to a company like SourcePoint, you can go to a company like Image now, um, and get your, your book in a comic shop and then start it all over again.
Yeah, but and and you know, not for nothing, our our buddy David Pepos, who's often on these panels, got hired at Marvel Comics more or less off of stuff that he had kickstarted or had at very small publishers. So it does it does happen. There there can be that uh, that trickling up. But I will say that a lot of people come into this field and their ambition is to work for Marvel and DC. And if if you must do that, if that's the, if the only thing that's going to make you happy in this world is writing and drawing Spider-Man or Batman, good luck. <laughs> you know, that's that if you want to be a low-level employee of one of the biggest corporations in the world, that's there are people who are very satisfied and do great with that work. Um, if you want any kind of artistic freedom or to do what you want to do, because the odds that the giant mega corporation is going to give a green light to the Batman idea that you've had for 20 years is actually pretty low, uh, unless you become the president at company. Though Warner Brothers does seem to be looking for a new president these days, so you know, good luck. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. put in, get get those resumes ready. Uh, yeah, but uh, Stephen, have you ever tried to put a Monster Matador at a publisher, or are you happy with it where it is? Um, I'm, I'm happy with it where it is. I'm working with a, a business partner. We're going to be self-distributing and doing some other things with it. Um, I, I want to touch on a point that Charlie said and, and something kind of that Dave was alluding to. Uh, you know, with Monster Matador, I think speaking for anyone doing a Kickstarter, you know, th th these are books that we're passionate about. And, and if you're bringing a book that you have a story for, say, like, you know, Monster Mattered or have planned out for, you know, forever, Charlie said 60 issues on the White Ash, if you take it to a publisher, you know, and you get your five issues, you know, you may or may not get something after that. It may be a year after that, maybe two years, three years, you know, that's all up to the publisher. And ultimately, you know, they're going to be expecting you to promote and sell that book. So you might as well kickstart it because you know you're basically making money for them in that case you know you're whereas in kickstarter you know you get the rewards and 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 you can use that you can parlay that you know if you want to take another book to a publisher or you can get a better deal from a publisher you can negotiate specific rights as opposed to to negotiating, you know, for a contract for your book and then being stuck because you want to do more but you can't because your rights are tied up. So Kickstarter gives you the freedom to control the destiny of, of you know, of your art or whatever. Well, yeah, and I, I think that, um, I mean, you're, you're hitting, you're hinting at a good point and Kelly Sue kind of made this point in her intro, this idea of the homogenization of comics and then the gatekeepers, right? I mean, there are, if you want to go the traditional publishing route, there are five people who are going to decide your fate, right? And they're interested in maybe three or four different kinds of stories and they want those stories told a, a certain way. And so if you're not, <laughs> but then they'll still tell you, oh, well, it's not original enough, you know? Um, so fit into that box, right? Um, for the longest time, 80% uh, of our population did not walk into a comic shop and see themselves, see their point of view. Um, and that was horrible and frustrating. The beauty of, of Kickstarter is you're, you're, you're skipping the gatekeepers. Literally, any kind of story you want to tell, you have a platform. Um, and people know by now, it has been proven enough that, um, well, 
okay, I can't walk in and see myself uh, uh, in a comic shop, but if I go to Kickstarter, I'm gonna see five books uh, that have something to do with me. And, um, you know, I mean, Kelly, so you and I have done a lot of panels together. Yeah. We've actually told the heck story yeah. uh, in panels, which is a really interesting yeah. story. And I think that's a great story because we have three really smart women mm -hmm. and you want, you had a, a story you wanted to tell and tell it a certain way. Yep. And, and you told it in such glorious fashion that it was nominated for the Dwayne McDuffie right. uh, Diversity Award. Yeah. And yep. it was a big deal. You could not yeah. have done that with these gatekeepers. So, no. so, so take us through it a little bit. Um, well, in the so we came into the comic book scene in Hex 11 issue one debuted at the end of 2014 at LA Comic Con. It is the brainchild of Lisa K. Weber, who is the brilliant illustrator of the book as well. Um, I came on to develop it and write the book, and then of course Lindley Forrest is our producer and our editor. And uh, we were all really clear at that time that we weren't going to be attractive to larger publishers because we had a woman who was fully clothed. She didn't have big bombastic boobs. There wasn't really a romance story. There wasn't a lot of blood or violence, not to minimize mainstream comics in that way. Not all of them are like that. Um, but at that time, it was a little bit different, and we were coming in on the heels of Gamergate. So people were already kind of having this conversation about around what are the women in comics doing? What are the women in video games doing? Um, and it really set us up in this unique way um, to have people respond to our story in with a lot of enthusiasm. Um, and that was why we were like, we need to do our best to stick with this and make sure that we're gonna see this story all the way through. This was just with our first issue, so we were kind of feeling a little bit of pressure, to be totally honest. Um, and when it came time to run the Kickstarter, what we found was there were so many people who were responding to what we were doing, which was so cool. We would have never had that experience had we not gone to that platform. Um, and I think one of the cool things about Kickstarter, too, is that Yes, you're crowdfunding your book, but you're also building a community of people. You're building a fan base. You're speaking to the people that you want to talk to, that you want to tell your story to, and there's nothing more powerful than that, period. And no publisher is going to go hard for you the way that you're going to go hard for yourself, right, and reach the people that you want to reach. Um, and so we found Kickstarter to be so valuable in that way. And so many of the people who funded our first Kickstarter are still with us, and they came back for the second one. Um, and you know, this Kickstarter is just one tool. Obviously, there's also, you know, the comics are digital. You have things like Comixology. You have the, you know, I guess that's Amazon now, like everything else in the world. Um, and we've now, after eight years of being in business, we've sold over 70,000 copies of Hex 11, which is unprecedented um, in indie comics. Um, but all because of Kickstarter. Yeah. It's on the internet. You can reach anyone anywhere. Um, and if you're telling a story that you're really passionate about, especially one where you're like, this story is me. This is the stuff I want to see. And I don't always find this in comic shops. Um, I mean, the, the opportunity that you create for yourself and also for your audience is, you can't find it anywhere else. It's just marvelous. I think it's worth saying that uh, Kickstarter is also kind of an ecosystem. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this number is still true or if it's gotten higher, but if, if you saw Kickstarter as a single comic book publisher, it would be the third largest, com it would definitely rival Marvel and DC mm -hmm. for the amount of books yeah. and the amount of readers. And 
Once someone backs their first Kickstarter project, that really is the highest mountain that you have to climb with the yeah. audience. Once they've already done it, once they've given their credit card numbers, once they've signed up, yeah. they then get a newsletter. And one of my favorite things is that I've now backed probably two dozen Kickstarters over yeah. the past however many years. I so often get the newsletter saying, from Kickstarter, the email saying, this is, would you be interested in backing this? And when I look at the bottom, they usually have four or five other projects. One of them will be by someone I know, love, have backed. You know, so they're constantly trying to sell me things I am already interested in. And those emails are pretty well crafted, I would yeah. say, for curating. I particularly like it when I back someone else's project while I have something going and they try to sell me my own comic. <laughs> that mean, when I was doing the Elvira one, I wasn't the, uh, I wasn't the seller of record. During the pandemic, when comic book shops were closed, Dynamite reached out to me and said, do you want to do Elvira comics as Kickstarter so that we can keep selling comics in the next year? And I said yes, and we ended up doing three very successful projects, but it was Dynamite was the seller, not me. So all year, when I would get an email about something Rylands or Kelly Sue's or Steve, it would then at the bottom say, "Do you want to back the the Elvira Kickstarter?" I was like, "I, you know, I would. I, I would like that to be successful." This is, this is such an interesting point. Um, the uh, the idea just of. Um I mean, Kickstarter being a, a fan base builder more than anything. A lot of people, they sort of try to reduce Kickstarter down to dollars and cents. You know, Kickstarter was 15 grand for me, and that's great. You, you need that money to, to pay your artists and to keep your lights on and all of that stuff. Um, that was great to actually make a comic book and get the money back for it and, and get a little bit. But um, really, the most valuable thing, and I've done. Uh, I've done three now. I was a part of another, so so four campaigns, and you know, and, and you know, with my friends, I've had my my hands in you know dozens of others. Um, it is really a fan base builder more than anything. It's almost like a different uh, social media tool, right? I mean, there are people there that are they're they're hungry for content, excited about comics, excited to 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 be a part of it. I mean, that's the beauty of it is they become almost investors in in the story. It doesn't come to life without them, and so they feel an ownership of it, and they want to see it succeed. Uh, they want to help you get it across the finish line, and um, you know, I've put four pretty successful titles in comic book, uh, comic book shops already. Um, I don't know that I know too many of those fans, you know? My Kickstarter fans are loud, they are gregarious, they are amazing. They, they come to everything I do, they support everything I do, they tweet about everything I do, that's what you need. You need, you know, a uh, uh, hundred people buying your book in a comic shop is not worth half of what five really loud, vociferous fans on social media are. You know, uh, you need people to spread the gospel. Um, and you find them, they're waiting for you on Kickstarter, I promise you. I think one comment I want to say about you know, that is that Kickstarter will bring you new fans, but it's not a fan base from scratch builder. It's a, a place that augments your current fan base. So you need to, you know, you need to bring a crowd, and then your crowd will get bigger. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, like, and, and when I when I threw out numbers like 1,700 backers for my last campaign, don't go into it thinking you're going to have that, because in, in in some ways I'm an outlier. You know, like my, my single issue campaigns now are doing really well. Uh, but like 300, which is where I started with, 500 to 600, 700, now you're in the territory that's really great. And you'll be able to, um, you know, you're fun your book.
but I, you know, like it, it just it augments what you have. You bring people in, you make sure you have them there when you launch, and then you're, you know, and then Kickstarter will bring in more people because it, it's that um, rolling stone, you know, that's gathering moss. It goes. It's the, there's the momentum there. People see something successful, they want to back it. They want to be part of it. And, um, and when you see the Kickstarter campaigns that no one's backed, less people are likely to back those going forward because you don't want to back a loser. You know, it's just a mentality. Everybody wants to be part of a movement or something successful. Yes. So it's, it's it, 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 I mean, it's the party. It's the club with the line outside. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, What's and, going on there? And the more yeah. that you do, the easier that it gets. You know, and, and so for me at this point, when I launch a campaign, it's a lot easier than someone new coming to the field because I have all these backers who show up on day one and it makes my job easier. And I know that, um, which is why I'm out there trying to help other people all the time with, with the community because it is a community to be part of it. I think I've backed 500 plus Kickstarters at this point wow. um, because I try to give back to the community and make the community stronger because then it helps me as well. You know, it's, it's an ecosystem. That's that's a point I really wanted to get to. Uh, you know, you said it's you know it's the fan base you bring with you. Well, how where do you get that fan base? Where do you find those people? Um, back before the internet, it was literally impossible. Uh, now you do with social media. You do have a way to connect to people, and you use the word community. This is a you know I always say, ask not what comics can do for you. Ask what you can do for comics, and that is the way when you back other people's Kickstarters, you become part of that community. When you promote things on Kickstarter, on social media, you become part of that community. And even if someone has never seen anything that you've created, if they see you as someone interacting with the community, that makes you someone they know, someone they trust. When they see you being a part of it. And look, obviously when you start a Kickstarter from scratch and you've never done anything before, the more you can show people, the better. You know, I've always said, I have a bunch of comics pitches. One of them has eight pages of finished art. Guess which one got picked up by a publisher? You know, not the one that was a paragraph and a character drawing, the one that was eight finished pages. That Publishers do not have imagination. You show them, you know, a finished thing, they go, oh yeah, sure, we would publish that. You tell them the best idea in the world, they go, hmm, no, I can't, I don't, I don't see it, I don't get it. So the more you can bring and put out there, but, and I, I know, I'm a gregarious, outgoing person, not everyone, I sometimes have to remind myself, not everyone wants to do that, not everyone wants to be loud on social media, not everyone wants to put their face out there, not everyone wants to chime in on public conversations about things, so I get that that's not the way that's gonna work for everybody, but there are ways to just be in the conversation and be in the community and be a part of the community. Do you wanna do questions? Did you have something to say? Uh, I just gonna, gonna add to that. Um, it, 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 like Dave and Charlie are saying, is, is it's a community, and, and I think you know if you haven't backed any Kickstarters and you're running a Kickstarter, um, it's, you, you know, you really should kind of check out other books. I've, I've seen a lot of campaigns that go nowhere, and then you look at how many, um, uh, you know, campaigns they've backed, and it's zero. And, and a lot of it, a lot of that backing is, is, you know, you don't have to like back for 50 bucks. It's just you're creating also a relationship with those creators too. Um, I, I met a lot of creators who backed my book, who then launched their first Kickstarter, you know, and and I, I helped them promote it and whatnot. So you know, everyone kind of helps everyone out, but. 
but it's important to like realize like you're not in it for yourself on Kickstarter. You're in it for the community because it really is like one of those whatever rising yeah. tides ships sort of thing, you know? Yeah. All boats rise. Yeah, all boats there rise. Is. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rising. Tide. I knew Kelly would do. Ships. And there's like water and boats, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, why don't we do that? I mean, Avalonia had a good suggestion. There are other questions from the audience. You have uh, specific Kickstarter questions. Yeah. 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 In regards to making a Kickstarter, um, how important do you think it is to have a bunch of merchandise or any and all? Because I, I just want to make my comic. I don't want to sell plushies. You yeah. Know? yeah, no, yeah. plushies don't are not do necessary. That. Don't do that. No. Yeah, no, don't. We, we did that with our first campaign where we had a lot of merch. We had like mugs and t-shirts. And we quickly learned that fulfilling those orders oh, is so much work. Yeah. Um, we also um, did not calculate correctly for international shipping Oof. of and, those and, things. And, yeah, and international shipping has doubled over yeah. the last yes. two years, so, so be very that's careful. That's something to really think about when you're doing the campaign. Keep your rewards super simple. And that's what we did the second time around, where it's like, we've got the book, you get a special thank you in the book. Like, a lot of things that don't have, like, physical manifestations that have to be shipped. If, if it's a physical object, it should be flat. Yeah. It should As, be something that can be put in a book. Yep. And put in a, put in a box and sent somewhere. And, and the, minute it is, <laughs> the minute it is thicker than a trade paperback, yeah. you have made a nightmare for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you do want to figure out ways. Here's the thing. It's like it is hard to get big totals and you know, have buyers feel like they have a really premium experience just simply selling books. You can just sell books, yeah. but, but, but you know, and if you're Charlie Stickney and 1,700 people are going to show up, then, 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 then maybe you're good. Uh, what, has, what has helped me is having, um, having kind of premium uh, 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 tiers, items that aren't going to cost me $50 to ship. I mean, uh, uh, I draw people into the book. That's um, a big one. I, I do original art. You know, um, here are original drawings from the artist. Um, uh, let's um, let's draw you as Batman, right? Um, let's put you in the background of a scene. Let's give you a, a line for a little more money. Um, uh, there are very clever ways uh, to to kind of make it a more premium experience. And it's it, you know it can be good for both parties because you you make a little more money. You're putting a little more money in your artist's uh, uh, pocket, but. Really, what you want to do more than anything, this is a community experience. This is a premium experience. These people are helping you bring the book to life. So, what better way to like really show that and put it on its feet than put them in the actual book? Yeah. We, make them a character in the book. Make them literally part of the book, not figuratively like everyone else, yeah. but literally. We but, we sold a pet uh, appearance. I think we charged five hundred dollars. I can't remember for a guy's cat to be in drawing blood. And you know, the, the, the thing about bonuses like that is he only paid for it for the first four issues, but the cat's gonna be in 20 issues. <laughs> like the cat's the cat, like the cat's gonna be around. So, uh, but yeah, the, the drawing, drawing yourself as a character, drawing uh, a pet, a family member, people are big on names. Um, it's a, we, in our first Kickstarter, we had a cemetery scene that was very useful for putting people's names in the comic. Because uh, it couldn't just be, you know, sometimes it's storefronts, 
you know, Stickney's Pizza or whatever on a, on a street, but when you had a, we had a graveyard scene, so I was like, oh good, we can put 20 names in any given panel on the tombstones in the background. I, I, I've done one-on-one -on -one Skype sessions with people. That's you know, another one. Portfolio review the, the, type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Those helped. I, I raised about, um, I don't know, like $900 for creators for comics doing one-on-one -on -one Skype sessions. Oh, wow. So like they, those can work, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I would also say that ahead. remember, if, if you're doing a new book, no one knows the book. No one's going to want merch of a book or a series they haven't heard. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think you can do merch, but you want that to be your third or fourth or fifth Kickstarter when you have a fan base, when you have a brand, when you have someone who might want to wear a t-shirt or have a pin. Like, I think like pins are probably the first thing that I would go to. Yeah. Do yeah. something that you can sell at a convention in addition to, to your book. But again, don't have that be your first, second, or third. Focus on the, the book itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and augments, like variant covers are, are still sell really well. Um, so like just things that you can do that's not gonna change your packaging. That merch will come, but don't, don't do it right off the bat. Yeah. Like I do one, one new thing per campaign as I go forward, but I yeah. don't try to make it my base tier or something that I work on. Variant covers are people, collectors are variant cover crazy, you know? Um, and it doesn't mean throw a bunch of crap variant covers at them, but if you can make them interesting, you know, in a way, you bring on guest artists that, that people love. There are artists that have a following. It's a really good way to get new eyes on your campaign. Uh, uh, you know, Charlie has Liana Kangas do, uh, uh, you know, variant covers for, for uh, his books. She has a massive following. So Liana tweets about it. All of her fans are like, oh, I gotta go get this. Oh, what is this? Oh, yeah, yeah, let, let me get into this book. Um, you're, you're, you're helping to promote that artist. That artist is helping to promote you. It becomes this, this synergistic partnership. That's great, but um, I mean, I would say at least half of my backers, I don't sell them one copy of the book. I sell them, I sell them four copies of the book. Because I, because I, I have, I have my my regular cover, and I have three really interesting variant covers. I make uh, the whole set affordable. Uh, the the cost per issue goes down if you buy all four, and um, you know, and they're checking out, and they're like, well, I don't know, I can buy this, or I don't know, for twenty dollars more, I could get the whole set. The whole set's pretty cool. I like that artist. Um, yeah, let me go for all four, you know, and, and yeah, go ahead. Question: You're talking about the size of the market in the U.S. versus it. So obviously with Wyash, X11, and Matagorn, because the market is smaller here, what do you guys do about localization or you try for the international market? No, because the he's, he's asking a question. If you guys can't hear him, he's asking a question about uh, uh, the, the 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 U.S. market versus the international market, and and you, so you're talking about in terms of Kickstarter. Why not? Well, why not? Like, you know, like say, play text, text mm -hmm. it's yeah. very popular. Mm -hmm. like, have you thought about taking it over? Uh, we have thought about it. We've been approached a couple times about having it translated into other languages, and um, a lot of those conversations are still ongoing. They started prior to the pandemic, um, and as you know, the pandemic kind of just dropped the hammer on kind of everything that was going on prior to it. Um, but what's interesting is that we've found that you know a, a huge subset of our readers are international in non-English speaking countries. We've got readers in Qatar, we've got readers in Japan, we've got readers in Germany, um, and they're really faithful fans. So I, we haven't yet 
had the experience of like, oh, we really need to get our book translated into another language for it to really be popular in another country. Um, if you're able to find that and it's easy and it's effortless, absolutely. But um, again, with with digital platforms like Comixology and like the Kindle Bookstore, you know, there are people that don't speak English who are huge fans of the Sandman and have been huge fans of the Sandman. I'm sure it's, at this point, that's a terrible, actually, kind of analogy to use because I'm sure that's been, um, you know, translated into every possible language. But it didn't, you know, at the beginning, it didn't stop people from reading it and loving it. So. Um, yeah. But, I wouldn't sweat it. Yeah, but also Kickstarter is an international platform. Yeah, I mean, I Kickstarter is international. 20, I would well. say 20% of my backers come, mm -hmm. you know, from international, and it's a lot of Australia and uh, and and the yeah. UK um, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but it's like it's you know it's like Kelsey no, says. English, I mean, uh, you know, English is the most widely spoken language in the world at yeah. the moment. So it you know that does. Yeah. And I, that's yeah, also the beauty of comics too is I, that it's yeah. a visual medium, yeah. and so oftentimes you know I've read comics in other languages that I really love and I don't have to yeah. know I, the language necessarily yeah, to sent, love them. So. Yeah, I've sent books to Asia, Antarctica, I mean, mm -hmm. you, know, um, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing. I mean, it can cost a lot to ship, so, that's, so, yeah. so, that's so, so it's tough on a buyer to be like, okay, well, I'm going to buy this floppy and then pay 25 bucks to ship it. But yeah, in, ter in terms of doing a translation and another printing, like mm -hmm. not digitally, that's just a, that is a high yeah. cost. You would really need a pretty solid idea that yep. it's going into bookstores overseas mm -hmm. before you'd want to invest in that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, if you have those rights, I mean, there, there are publishers. I mean, I was, pub yeah. I, I was contacted by a French publisher, and, and it's just what they do. They find American comic books that they think will play well in, in France and Europe, and then they, they have them translated, relettered, and they put them out, and you get a check in the mail. <laughs> Uh, I, I, didn't, I, didn't take, I didn't take that opportunity, yeah. but, um, but it made me interested in other opportunities, yeah. and so yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it. But um, hey, you know, anybody that get, anything, anybody that gets eyes on the book is, mm -hmm. is good, and that's how you got to think. And, and I think back to Kickstarter, it's like, well, you know, what are the weapons we have, right? And, and you're, you're looking for eyes on the books. You're looking for more readers and more engagement and all of that stuff. And for too long, we have thought, okay, well, traditional comic publishers, the comic shop, it's the only, it's the only game in town, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have all these digital platforms now. You have, um, you have Kickstarter. You have these international uh, uh, concerns and all that stuff. So. And, you know, in terms of... There's a book that I kickstarted called The Radically Rearranged Ronan Ragdolls. And uh, these negotiations may take another five years, for all I know. But we have been approached by a manga company. And they're not going to translate the book. They're just going to take the characters, draw a completely new. Because also, manga is such a very different art form from uh, Western comic books that, that, you know, translating it and republishing it, they're not interested in. They're interested in taking the characters and making a completely Japanese thing. And uh, the first conversation I had with Kamori Sensei, who's going to, is the writer on it, he was like, I want to be very faithful. And I said, look, make it as Japanese as it could possibly be. I don't, it's manga, do what you want. And he said, no, I want to be very faithful. And then we got his sketches and his story ideas, and we looked at them and said, this bears no resemblance to our comic, and that's great. Like, that's, that, is fa that is fantastic. Like, he changed it as completely as he possibly could, and I'm like, but it's as Japanese as the day is long, so. Yeah, uh, I can hear the hordes at the gate. Yeah, we should uh, wrap and I up. do not want to, uh, you know, uh, poke into, uh, uh, you know, 
their time, so. We do wrap up by telling people uh, where, where can they find you on the interweb, Stephen? Uh, monstermatador.com, I'm Monster Matador on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and then September 19th, Monster Matador Volume 1, 180 plus page collection on Kickstarter. Is it, is it an omnibus, would you say, or is it? I would say, sure. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, might have, you might have changed the... Uh, yeah. No, it's not. It's, it, I, I don't know that it's an omnibus. It's, it's a volume one. Okay. It's volume one. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't reached but, omnibus yet. It's a okay. bus. Yeah, it's a... Not an omnibus. It's a bus. It's a bus. And Kelly Sue. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Kelly Sue says. You can find Hex Comics on Instagram at the Hex Comics and at hexcomics.com. We will also be exhibiting at LA Comic Con, uh, which I think is the first weekend of December. December 2nd. I believe so. Yes. December second. Yeah. So right. if you're around for that, stop by. And Charlie Stickney. On, on the internet, you can find me at Charles Stickney on Twitter at White Ash Comic. I think on Instagram, White Ash Comic is online. I will also be at LA Comic Con with a big White Ash booth, maybe a ten by twenty. So I'm doing crazy things. Nice. Um, and uh, I'm downstairs in a smaller booth, way in the back, B17. You can find me with a small White Ash booth. B17. It's a bomber and it's a booth. Uh, I am at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media. That is R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents just kind of drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it, and so now I have to spell it for you. Um, you can find my books, uh, the uh, Ringo Award-winning Aberrants, the uh, four-time Ringo-nominated Banjacks and Suicide Jockeys in fine comic shops everywhere and on Amazon and on all those digital platforms that we spoke highly of. Um, uh, I... Uh, I may have a Kickstarter coming up soon. I keep backing away from it, but I keep getting the itch. Um, so uh, issues three and four of my Fargo West crime drama, The Peacekeepers, will probably be debuting in the next three months or so. So nice. watch my sh uh, social medias closely, and I'll, uh, I'll update you on that. But uh, why don't you bring us home, Evaloni? And uh, I have a very easily Googleable name, which has uh, made me, you know, the target of bullying when I was a child. But it's very useful in the age of Google. Uh, DavidAvalonefreelance.com is my website that'll branch you off to all of the social media stuff. Uh, my current comic is Elvira in Horrorland. Uh, number three is in stores now. Number four, which is the Freddy Krueger issue. Uh, drops probably in the next couple of weeks. I don't actually know. Uh, the fifth issue, the David Cronenberg issue, will probably be out in October. And I have no up stuff, upcoming Kickstarters that I know of. I am in the next issue of Savage Tales, doing a Gulliver of Mars, because I'm a glutton for punishment, and a John Carter Warlord of Mars story. And uh, that's it. We have another panel at 2 o'clock for the writer's block where we're going to talk about careers in comics and how to survive doing this, uh, which should be an interesting conversation. In this room. In this very room, because there are only two rooms, so you, like, your choices are limited. Uh, thank you very much for coming, and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on The Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.